Now, if you don't have a car and you're walking. Yes, son, I'm talking to you. If you live at home with your mama. Yes, son, I'm talking to you. If if you have a shorty uh, and you don't show love. Yes, son, I'm talking to you and you want to get with me and you got no money. Nah. I don't, I don't want, no. No scrub. <laughs> no scrub. No scrub. No scrub. No, no I scrub. don't want no, no scrub. Because no <laughs> a scrub is a guy that can't get no love for me. Continue podcast. <laughs> 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 The, it's a it's the weekly continue oh, podcast, everybody. Baby Jay, what do you think about a weekly version of this show? You you made this is your fault. <laughs> you listening? You right have inflicted this, this upon the you world. Did this? I can't. I w- wake up and look in the mirror. <laughs> question your life choices. I just. Mm-hmm. No, uh, it all serious. We're yeah. so thankful. We're so grateful. We're so appreciative. Yeah, uh, that you folks yeah. want to hear more of whatever this is. I don't. <laughs> I I don't know. We don't. We're we're beyond labels. We've transcended. <laughs> We yeah, transcended. Uh, yes. we, we're the most social oral <laughs> experience that you can have on the internet. Yeah, uh, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode twenty-two of the Continue Podcast, a podcast that is ostensibly about video games in theory. <laughs> um, but yes, we we are Patreon funded, and we since our last episode hit our goal to make this a weekly show. You made it happen. Uh, Somebody put in a sound effect of cheers. Just not not, not like, like the not like the TV show, but the show. Yeah, I want like a sound effect of dancing, sighing. Right there. <laughs> um, my, my name is Anthony John Agnello, and I am thrilled to be doing this today. And with me, as always, uh, is Susan Art. I again, your life choices. Perhaps you need a life coach. I don't mm-hmm. know. Yeah. A flow chart. Yeah. There's something you could uh, go to Amazon and look up chicken soup for the teenage soul. <laughs> you can get you can get a copy for like a buck. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Actually, while you're there, uh, I'm going to refer you to a product that I just tried today and enjoy greatly. It's called Hint Water. This is not a promo, by the way. They're not paying us, but they should. Uh, it's uh, it's it's water infused with fruit flavor because I like. I, I like water. I like something that has flavor, but I can't. I, I can't have the artificial are, sweeteners. So. Are you, it's not like partial ideas. It's not cool like little pieces of ideas. No, no. Are you? They're not like you don't take a sip and you're like, wait a second. I had my keys outside. <laughs> F- face. I north. know that the last pass I had them. Wait a second. Are you yeah. too cool That's for LaCroix? That's not that kind of... Is it, that what okay, this is? First, okay, first of all, that is garbage. It's disgusting. It is <laughs> gross. It That tastes like the end of a soda, okay? <laughs> when you're super oh desperate, you've been, you've been waiting for the ice to melt because you, you need some more liquid, so you got those few drops of soda, and the soda-to-water ratio is way out of whack. That's what LaCroix tastes like. 
LaCroix tastes like the last sip out of that plastic cup. Like you've just been told to rebuckle your seatbelt on the plane and somebody is going to take yep. the cup away yes. from you. Yeah. Yes. Oh, that's vile. I'm yes. not drinking it's that nasty. shit. It's nasty. That sounds bad. Uh, this is also not, not good. fizzy. This is flat. You okay. can get it fizzy if flat. you want. I don't because ew. <laughs> you don't you don't drink it while you're watching Jeopardy and you're like. Oh, I got it. I know the. I'm ready for the. <laughs> You're obsessed with the name. Game. The name is stupid. I, am. <laughs> I agree. I don't get it. But no, because it's it's water with a hint of flavor. <laughs> I would love you know like the old Snapple facts when you take yeah, off yeah, the cap yeah. and it would be like trousers are made in Pangea and you're like wait what I can't <laughs> fact check this I would love if you took off the cap of hint water uh-huh. and it's just like one of your classmates was in love with you it's like fucking come on <laughs> no that would be great I, that's not enough to go on at least <laughs> give me a gender something <laughs> okay that Shit. would be super rad I'm not gonna lie right or or, or, or like you take the cap off and it's like Put your back to the oak tree and take seven <laughs> strides. Oh, no. Which oak tree? He didn't specify exactly. which How does it know that I have an oak tree in front of my house? It's just a hint. <laughs> um, <laughs> that person who's being stalked by a beverage company is Dave Roberts. Yeah. Or, or uh, maybe the hints will be like, hey, maybe don't leave your food out in the microwave when you're done with it. Like you can open Yeah, it I really like oh, That's good. That's more, that's tips water. You don't want no, tips it's water. No, like, like, take a hint. Like, oh, it's, it's like passive-aggressive like, like office, yeah. I get, oh, oh passive-aggressive <laughs> office notes water. Yeah. Carol. This is, this, <laughs> this isn't your bottle, Carol. <laughs> Whoever uh, microwaved the fish, please identify yourself. Did you guys see that Twitter thread about no. about the uh the, the Chinese fish? food thief? No, no. <laughs> what? Okay. So I, I'm I'm gonna forget some of the details. So the, it, this guy works in an office, this guy or girl, I forget who was tweeting it, and uh put their, their uh Chinese food in the fridge and their coworker ate it. And it was they figured out who it was, right? Like they knew who it was, they, and it was the person who sat next to him. Oh, like, so, I, I think I remember this. Like they, yeah. they were go, like actually sleuthing it out. Like who yes. did this? Okay, yes. And there was a uh, uh, surveillance footage from the kitchen, <laughs> so they knew who did it, and and they were going to like wait and see if they fessed up to it or not, and and. Sadly, I don't think there was ever any resolution, but it was a, it was an amazing. If you've ever worked in an actual office, if that's the kind of stuff you live for, well, who decided? <laughs> There's one tweet that I saw, like it was a thread similar to that, where like they were talking about how someone was stuff, like someone bought a bunch of groceries. No, this is a story I told you. Oh, was that the one that you told me? Yes. They, like, they, yes. They, like they they they. Uh, Put the stuff oh, I, in the fridge and yep. like, stuffing it down their pants, like like yes. meats down the pants. Okay, yes. what are you doing? 
I don't what? Know. Okay, no, I need I need details okay. now. You're not allowed to use the phrase the, "meats down your pants," Dave. I told and the not story on clarification. Okay, so uh, I worked in an office. We had a communal kitchen. Uh, one of my uh, coworkers was going to make a great big Italian meal for her family after work. So what she did was, when she was out on lunch, ran to the grocery store, got the meat to make the meatballs, the tomatoes to make the red sauce, the whole bit, all of it. Instant groceries still in bags. Puts into communal fridge so she could just pick it up and go straight home. Fine. End of the day, she gets, she goes to pick up her stuff and someone else we work with is stuffing a two pound package of ground meat into her pants. <laughs> and so my coworker's like, what are you doing? And, and she's like, oh, oh, I thought this was for everyone. You know, just put your Oh, this pants. isn't pants meat? Yeah. <laughs> Wait, oh, I'm Oh, so- you don't put the packaged meats in your pants in your house from your fridge? That's not <laughs> a thing that you that's, do? That's not how you transport? I gotta take the bus, so clearly I'm putting it in my pants. What? I don't... Yeah, I, so... That is... That's, that's a strange moment. Who yeah. does this? Like, I don't... I don't... I don't know. We live in a society... <laughs> Okay. There are rules. <laughs> That's right up there with the people who take one bite of someone else's sandwich. Like if you're gonna, oh, that's shitty. Right? That's like if you're going to steal someone else's distance. lunch, just do it. Okay? Yes. Commit. Be that yes. guy. But yeah, just one bite. Yeah. Boop. So uh, this is the last time I actually worked in an office building was when I was uh, working as a copywriter for Comedy Central weird very sterile corporate behemoth environment mm-hmm. and so i like i didn't even have a computer at the desk that they assigned me it was just a blank empty desk and chair no paper no pencils nothing ah. it's just where i was supposed that's like to a, go that sounds like a my own laptop environment <laughs> right right it, like, this was this is one of the worst jobs i've ever had in my entire oh, life oh wow okay yeah, it was bad. It was really bad. So anyway, I'm sitting here with my laptop and I am informed at the end of my first day that the entire department that I'm part of, like a Teamster shows up and is like, hey, your entire department is being moved to a different floor and you need to tag everything at your desk. So it's moved. Okay. And I, I'm looking I'm looking around myself in all directions. There is nobody on the entire floor oh, of this Jesus. Manhattan office building. I see where this but is going. Me. And I'm like, I don't have anything on my desk except the food that I bought at a grocery store today to leave at my desk so that I, I have food here. And he's like, well, you get, well tag it. And I was like, I could just take it with me. And he's like, you tag it. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, OK, cool, man. Fine. He's down. <laughs> so I take a little post-it note that they have given me this very official post-it note oh God. with all these different things that I have to fill out with, like, my employee ID and everything. Oh, my God. And I put it around the grocery bag. And when I show up the following Monday at my new desk on another floor that actually does have human beings on it and a computer, finally, okay. there is a well, there is a computer monitor, nothing connected to the monitor. It was just a computer, just a computer <laughs> monitor by itself. 
Next to it is my grocery bag and the jar of peanut butter inside of it has been tipped over and left open. Oh, my God. So there's just a grocery bag with a loaf of bread and peanut butter all over everything. (laughs) Wow. And I'm like, wow, man, I'm really cool. Like, I'm thrilled that you went through the effort (laughs) of tagging my little bag of groceries. And so I found out later on in this job that every single desk moved, every single moving of an employee's workstation cost Viacom about $3,000. What? So, yes, for for to have the union move a worker, right? It costs about three grand. (laughs) So three thousand money dollars were spent (laughs) spilling my goddamn peanut butter all over my groceries. Wow. It's not it's not it's not pants beef, but it's 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 up there. It's up there. It's up there. Uh, speaking of pants beef, there are, <laughs> there are a lot of really good role-playing games that we have been yes. playing. <laughs> and I actually, yeah, do you like that transition? That was perfect. That's tight, right? Yeah. It was so, it was seamless. <laughs> uh, I, 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 I want to start us with a question. I want your guys' opinion on this. What is the status of vampires <laughs> in popular culture at this point. Is it like okay to be interested in vampire shit again? Because it feels like the, it it did the, the twilight thing didn't even last a decade. The, the rise and subsequent hatred of this thing that primarily women like, like that it came and went, it's over. And I don't know if it's like, are like, are you allowed to like a vampire thing and not get made fun of? Uh, okay. In my opinion, it very much depends on the vampire thing because I feel like vampires are in the same category with zombies. If you go the mm-hmm, typical mm-hmm. classic even route with them, it's 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 boring. It's it's a parody at this point. It's like we've seen it. If you do something new with it, then I think absolutely it's still a fair game to like. It's totally all right. But like, like, can you go around being like, I think the interview with the vampire is cool at this no. point? Like, no, I you can't cannot. get a bead. Ironically. No. I think you can ironically like that movie. Ugh. But all right, the movie the movie's different. I mean, like I'm talking Andrew about like books? somebody yeah. in like a plush evening jacket. Oh, Jesus! Uh, the problem talking the problem about their Anne Rice novels. The, the problem is that like the the people who make the vampire content ultimately go off of a deep end that is so mm. like like Anne Rice. Like at, what was it after Queen of the Dam? She just like I'm like I saw. I think uh, was it either you or Russ. Uh, retweeted some or somebody retweeted something of like and rice just she doesn't have an editor or no she has a mentor who does not edit edit her work uh so there's that uh and then there's um what's her face the uh stephanie meyer who wrote twilight who Uh. like had she had a book that she was working on get leaked and she threw a fit 
And then she decided she's done. So she's not making oh, Twilight. Oh, is that what happened? Yeah, I think that's oh. like that's what well, how that's my wife story. has explained it to me that she just she was working on a book, uh, a ma- the manuscript of it leaked, and she's like, nope. And then just like she started r- working on other stuff that wasn't vampire stuff. Like here, here's my thing. If you read the Harry Dresden books, uh, included in them are basically every monster of mythology and and folklore, including vampires. But in those books, there are different courts of vampire. There's the black court, the red court, the jade court, and the white court. And they all, because when when you come down to it, a vampire is a creature, and every, every culture on the planet has a vampire myth in their folklore. But vampire being a creature that comes in the night and steals life essence. Sometimes it's blood, Sometimes it's breath, sometimes it's youth, whatever, right? And so the different courts in the Harry Dresden books uh, have different personalities and different cultures and different – they feed on different aspects of life. And that's an interesting way to present that. Like that's cool. The whole like, it's just a metaphor for fucking (laughs) like that – we like to wear a lot of leather and go hang out at nightclubs. Oh my god! Just stop it! Just, just, just go watch some actual porn. It's okay. Yeah, just go watch actual porn if you need porn. Yeah. Like it's an option that you're not closed off from that. You could go do that. It'll be fine. You're not dirty if you're um, watching porn, ladies. Go ahead, enjoy that. You don't need to read this horrible vampire bullshit. <laughs> Susan, I'm really glad that you brought up the the the, the fact that 99.9 percent of vampire st- uh, vampire anything, mm-hmm. vampire stuff, fiction, yeah. movies, whatever, is all about sublimated fucking. Yep. Like all the way back to Bram Stoker. Yep. It's like Bram Stoker took all of the many different worldwide legends about things that live forever and ate people and was just like, hey, what if I made this about rape instead? Mm -hmm. And everybody was like, man, you're a gross old (laughs) Irishman. Uh, And they've just sort of stuck with that ever since. So it's perfect that you brought that up because I think part of what makes the video game Vampire the Don't Nod Entertainment, the guys that made Life is Strange and Remember Me, their new action RPG about vampires, so goddamn fascinating, is that it really, ma- like, it takes all of the eroticism out of being a vampire almost entirely. Mm. Like, I, I, want, I want to be very upfront. Vampire is, a, like, technically speaking kind of a shitty game oh no <laughs> like all but like i, I want to make it clear that i love it though mm-hmm. i love this game okay so and let's i encourage back, everybody back up, back up what is it yeah. like what do you all right do? so i'm uh, yeah I'm, I'm gonna get i uh, there there is a very short easy shorthand for this okay is that all right now take the witcher 2 you got witcher 2 and then everything going on in Interview with the Vampire post Brad Pitt sleeping with Antonio Banderas. And then you just mash them together into a ball. And that's you have it is an action role playing game it takes place at the very beginning of the 20th century. 
And it is like The Witcher 2, a very, very small environment, but very, very deep story elements. And then there's fighting and character growth on top of that. So let me let me walk you through the beginning. Okay. You are uh, a dude who gets bitten by a vampire in 1918 London. Okay. And uh, the guy who bites you is reciting some real, real shitty eighth grade goth poetry. <laughs> I, mean, like, I think I think that the, this game got made because the Life is Strange team, when they were gathering their research on the way teenagers act, were probably fell on like the worst goth poetry there was. We're like, we can't use it in this, but we got to make something else to put this in. Uh, so you wake up in a mass grave because London is in the throes of an epidemic that people think is Spanish flu. Mm-hmm. Surprise. It's vampirism. Oh, that's a, That's actually uh, interesting. I like that. Right. Well, OK, this is the thing. Be like all like vampirism in the game. Vampire is just a disease. Mm-hmm. It sucks. It's not sexy biting people is not erotic it is the worst it's the worst for everybody no matter what type of vampire you are uh you come to and you're you're you are dr jonathan reed and you don't know what the hell is going on except for you got the vampire bloodlust and the very first person you see you're just like i'm snacking on him and it's your sister <laughs> And you kill your sister and then immediately just people with really bad Cockney accents are trying to murder you because you're a vampire. And they're like, oh, it's a leech. And they try to shoot you and you run away. And it it's just there is nothing romantic at all about your life in vampire. You start in a pile of rotting corpses and it just doesn't get much better. And right there, I I was automatically like, well, this is different. Yeah, isn't I it? like that. Yeah. <laughs> Neat. Okay. And so the other part of this that is super interesting is in your flight, in your in your desperate bid to survive the people trying to kill you and remember what the hell is going on. A, a sort of, uh, you know, it's it's like any uh, ripping good story. There's somebody who comes to your aid and it is another doctor who recognizes you rather than go with like the amnesiac route mm-hmm. of an, ac- an action RPG hero or even a vampire story. It's always like I was nobody before I was cursed with the night. <laughs> like that shit doesn't happen. <laughs> like y- you are famous in London, you are a known person because you are Dr. Jonathan Reed. You are one of the foremost hematologists working Irony. in the medical community of London. <laughs> you're, you're super. Oh, of course. Of course. <laughs> and but like, but I, I mean, it's it's not irony. Like it comes like late as the oh, story oh, comes okay. out. It's like, okay. oh, you've. You know, spoilers, everybody. It turns out that there's a reason they turned the hematologist into a vampire. Of course there is. But it's it. Yeah, it's 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 great. There's this this the owner 
of a hospital that is at the center of trying to treat people in the east end of London and these poor neighborhoods trying to this hospital trying to keep back the illness that's plaguing London. He, the administrator of that hospital takes you in and says, yeah, man, I know you're a vampire. It sucks. Um, but I know you're also uh, a doctor and I need more of those. Mm. So I'll give you a place and you'll be safe. We can try to keep you from eating people <laughs> and Ow. you can try to help us out. All right. Which like I, I, it is such a beautiful subversion of every other vampire story I think I've ever like other than the fact that you're a sexy man bear mm-hmm. <laughs> in like a dark in a dark suit and a velvety looking coat. None of this scenario feels sort of familiar. Right. And from there. So, so what was what was the the vampire world that you were just talking about where it's like different factions of vampires? Oh, and uh, stuff? The Dresden Files. Dresden Files. So like. Dresden Files, Underworld, uh, I'm, I'm trying to think of like Vampire the Masquerade, yeah. all of these other things that have a sort of like aristocracy of vampires and different clans and stuff like that. That is in here, like as Dr. Jonathan Reed starts to find out a little bit of what's going on in the main plot, he finds out that he's like a true immortal and they're called Econs, and they're oh. shitty, like, zombie vampires called Scals. But, Econ, again, I like, you think it's going to get... It wasn't good, man. <laughs> <laughs> took Econ 101, it was bullshit. <laughs> uh, you know, like, like that, that stuff starts to creep in, and when it did, I was really worried. I was like, oh, man, are you going to, like make me align with a faction. No, never happens. Hmm. Dr. Jonathan Reed never gets a bead on what's really going on around him. The entire time you're in a position of, I don't even know what my powers do. Even when you level them up, you are just constantly at the whims of higher powers, Hmm. which is awesome. Like you never truly get to feel like you're the hero like you're at the center of everything, even though you're famous and known and have influence over the world. Cool, right? Yeah, I'm into it. So, right, this, this is, I, I texted you. What? Yeah, so there's there's the rub, Dave. I actually, I, I texted you, Susan, mm-hmm. as I was playing this to review yeah. uh, over at my day job at VentureBeat, and I was like, this is a Susan game for Susans. Because all of this narrative stuff, I was like, you would eat this up. Mm. And the thing is, is the gameplay actually backs up all this narrative stuff. So, moral binary. You know, like your Witchers, like your Knights of the Old Republic, like every single Bioware game, you're constantly being pulled in either the direction of being an evil person or a good person. But rather than making this like an like a just a sort of airy moral binary, like every other action RPG I've ever played, where it's like, what are you going to do? Are you going to be a dick about it or are you going to be an angel? (laughs) The the binary in vampire is tied directly into the story. Right from the very start, as soon as you're you're through that introductory period, you are introduced to the fact that you can, like a stoker vampire, 
hypnotize people and eat them. Okay. And the, the people that you can eat are all the story characters. There are four neighborhoods and each neighborhood has like 15 to 20 characters, like full personality, different dialogue options, blah, blah, blah. You can eat all of them. And really the only way to level up so that you're worth a damn in any fight is to eat people. Like you'll get experience for other things. You'll get experience for going to the story and fighting enemies and all that stuff, but not enough. But the entire time that you're presented with all the citizens that you can get to know and the better you know them, you know, like in Mass Effect, it's like, oh, I've known you the best and now we can sleep together. Yeah, that's like the ultimate reward in Mass Effect. In this, every time you get to know somebody a little bit better or do some side quests for them, their blood gets richer, richer in experience. Oh, my God. You get you get more riches, the better you know them. But the entire time you are a doctor. So you have the option not of choosing the good or the evil thing. Mm -hmm. Your choice is, do I eat this person or do I make them healthier and let them live? Oh, wow. And every neighborhood and every character is constantly getting sick because it's 1918 in London and everything is disgusting. And so you have to say, all right, I am going to try and keep everyone alive. And you have to go out and get the resources to make medicine. And then you have to treat them. And unlike eating people, which is just like, I've hypnotized you and now I drank everything inside of you. Treating illness takes time. So you have to like rest at the end of a day and let time pass. And then these people heal. But then these other people get sick. Oh, and it's a wow. And you can't possibly do it all. You can't possibly do it all. And the thing is, is on top of all this, every single time you're trying to move between a neighborhood, there is like a hidden, you know, the only people in the streets of London are either evil, like zombie-ish vampire monsters, or it's the humans who know about vampires and are trying to kill them. Oh, sweet. And they, yeah, uh, that's where things break down a little, because the combat sucks. Oh, no. <laughs> it is. It sucks. It is Witcher 2 bad. Where it's like, I don't understand what it is about, like, Western action RPG philosophy. Where it's like, yeah, man, we're going to have action sequences. Uh, but it's a role-playing game. So, like, what if the action always just kind of sucks? <laughs> <laughs> you can't do anything smoothly. It's it's like, like don't, let's not bother having like smooth Devil May Cry or God of War style action. Like, let's just make like every time you try to move kind of awkward and there's like a stamina bar and your stamina. Like every time you swing your melee weapon or whatever, your stamina goes down. And as you can imagine, your stamina goes down. You you Dr. Jonathan Reed is the worst vampire of all time. He sucks. He sucks more than all of the guys that Blade has to team up with in Blade 2. He sucks more... I'm trying to... Th he sucks more than Tom Cruise's Lestat. Ooh, he's the worst. Wow. Wow. He's, he's the worst. And you just die instantaneously, and then you have to sit there through, like, load screens that are Witcher 3 long. Oh! Like... Wow, that's painful. Uh, yeah, like... Like, 
60 seconds to a minute and a half oh, that sometimes. Sounds like, that sounds like Bloodborne. And, yeah, it's it's Bloodborne, like Bloodborne load times, man. And But at the entire time, I was like, I could eat somebody and make these fights really easy. I could do that at any time. And that's the only way to adjust the difficulty. The game tells you flat out at the beginning, you do not get multiple save files. <gasps> you do not get to kick down the difficulty. <laughs> you are stuck with whatever you choose to do. And there are times that that really annoyed me, but it was awesome. <laughs> it, yeah. Like, I, I don't know if we can tell. I, I This is a really interesting this game. Well, and it I inspired some really conflicted feelings. Yeah. It's it's really cool. It's, like, it's really cool. Did you ever play you, uh, Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines? Because I think that had some very similar, no. like it was really interesting story stuff, uh, and it was just janky. Yeah, as it was hell just to do as heck, anything yeah. else in that game. Well, like, it's it like wasn't Vampire the Masquerade one of those sort of like. 1999 2000 era pc rpgs it was the first it was the first game it's with like the source your pc engine. basically started on fire yeah it was the first game oh, with no the source shit, engine really uh um bef- even before half-life 2 i think wow so, so everything worked great <laughs> yeah <laughs> no um <laughs> damn it yeah i i like what i know about the vampire the masquerade is that i like i it the choice stuff isn't as deep. Like, I know that, like, Vampire the Masquerade's sort of reputation is that you could just take the story in so many different directions. And there is a lot of that in Vampire. Um, but your choices have... Something I love about it is, like, the results of your actions are just brutal and lack all subtlety. And it's o- there's almost never... There's never a choice that you feel good about. <laughs> Almost never. It's just really dirty and scuzzy. Here, here's, here's the perfect example. And I, I talked about this in my review because I don't... I'm trying as hard as possible to not spoil specifics mm-hmm. about this game. Because part of the pleasure is experiencing them for yourself. But so, in these four neighborhoods, there's always one person who is considered the pillar of the community. Sure. And they are actually the pillar of the community. Like they're they're they are the one person that all of the other citizens have a relationship to and their status reflects the broader health of that place. And so the first neighborhood where I had to like interact with a pillar of the community was the pillar turned out to be a, a extortionist who is blackmailing the primary patron of the hospital. And this is this is a mild spoiler. This is like sort of the big first really big story mission in the game. And when I confronted them, you have that big moment where the game sort of pauses and it's like, what are you going to do? And my choices were just implore them to do the right thing and stop the extortion, eat them, or <laughs> hypnotize them. And, like, just be like, you're going to forget all about this, dog. And naturally, I was like, oh, I, great. I'll just hypnotize them, and it'll be fine. And there's nothing invasive about forcing somebody to change their mind. I, like, I straight up Charles xavier this shit not thinking about what I was doing. And 
You know those moments when you're playing Mass Effect, you make a choice and then you see the result and you're like, that's not what I meant to do yes. at all. I thought the dialogue meant something totally different. So I had that moment. And like in Mass Effect, that usually just makes me angry because the game isn't telling me something about my behavior. It's just a poor translation of your thought. And so what ends up happening again, mild spoilers. If you don't want to know what what takes place here in the game, skip ahead a few minutes in the podcast. But this this person that I am choosing to mesmerize is a woman and you're Dr. Jonathan Reed, who for some reason has a hipster haircut in 1918. And when he mesmerizes her, it's it, it it evokes sexual assault. It's very upsetting because he like grabs the sides of her face and says, like, you're going to forget about this person that you're blackmailing. You're going to forget about this and listen to me. And I like I was really skeeved out. I was I, I was upset to the point where I was like, this is going to ruin this game if what it is saying is this is like the nonviolent choice. And did that, thought the mission ended, and, like, I go to, you have to rest in a safe house to to progress to the next day in the story. And that's how you level up and all that stuff. And so I went to do that, and it immediately says, like, the press has talked about your actions. And it says the pillar of the community has vanished. And... When I went back the next day, Dr. Jonathan Reed, new vampire, doesn't know what the hell he's doing with his vampire powers, wiped her entire mind. Oh, no. He didn't just make her forget about the person she was extorting. He wiped her entire personality. And so the entire community is now in collapse because you're an asshole who tried to force somebody's mind to be different. Oh, no. Right. Right. Pretty intense. <laughs> and I, that was the moment where I was like, I was like, wow, vampire, you are not subtle at all. But no. this is badass. Yeah, I was really I was I could not be more impressed with this game. The problem is that you have to fight a lot and it sucks. <laughs> The fights are just not, there's no redeeming them. <laughs> wow. So what what systems is yeah. this on? Is this a console PC? Yeah, it's, I played it on PlayStation 4, and I will say that I was playing it on a base PS4, but apparently the load times are kind of a thing that's consistent no matter where you're playing it. Okay. Mm. Uh, it it runs pretty good. Uh, it is <laughs> It is as literally ugly as it is metaphorically ugly. Oh, wow. <laughs> this is not... Ouch. Yeah, this is not, this is not an attractive game. Uh, I, now I can't remember who said it. Uh, Clayton Purdom, uh, the, the, the game critic over at the AV Club, said that this game feels like it escaped 2008. It feels like a, a, a like early cult... Xbox 360, yeah. PlayStation 3 Yeah, well, I mean, game. that's kind of like what Remember Me like was. That. Was, like, that, yes, that same exact so. feeling of, like, this feels like a game out of time. Uh, mm-hmm. But I think that's cool that, like, they're getting money to make that. I don't know. 
man totally i and like i i don't not as a studio on a mission man they're 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 trying to do interesting things even though they never quite totally stick the landing but man it's i can't i i cannot wait for you guys to try this i don't know if it's on your radars now that you've heard about oh, it oh it is now it's cool yeah susan are you in uh i it's tough because i hate crappy combat so much like i get why they put it in there because they 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 take the combat free game to whomever and they're like well gamers aren't gonna like it if you don't beat anybody up there's no conflict (laughs) exactly which is horseshit Mm -hmm. uh you know and this is what happened um to later silent hill games is like the whole point of silent hill was supposed to be you were just a guy you know, you mm-hmm. if you were lucky enough to find a gun, your aim sucked because the average person can't shoot a gun worth, uh, you know, a hot damn. And running was the point because that was the better option. And then, like, later, it has you collecting, like, TVs to throw at monsters and boards with nails <laughs> in them. And it, it's just like, that's not what the... What the okay. So... So that 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 does concern me. The rest of it sounds fantastic. But, yeah, but man, yeah. that combat really, is such it, a drag. Mm. The combat thing, and like the combat thing, even diminishes what I feel is like the thematic richness of the game itself, mm-hmm. because it's so hard to do the right thing. Right, right, and right. That's right, not right, yeah. something that you, you you never run into. That you know, like it's always. I immediately thought of Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic because in Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic, it's like you could be light side or dark side. And then, you know, when you get to the end of the skill tree, you're basically just blowing up everything in your sight, no matter what. Yeah. Like either you're a good guy who blows everything up or you're a bad guy. And it's just it just is dull. You know, right. And I understand why most people make that choice. Yeah. Bioshock, Mass Effect, like it doesn't. It doesn't matter if you're Paragon or uh, Renegade in Mass Effect, because at the end of the day, like, yeah, your skills are different, but they do the same shit. Like, the net result is the same. Yeah. And this is not. It's just like, oh, you want to be a good guy? You want to save everybody? Are you prepared to... (laughs) to happen to you in a video game what actually happens to good guys in the real world mm. <laughs> because it doesn't go great for them in the real world <laughs> yeah let's see let's see if you enjoy that and like it's, it's awesome that they they go that distance but like you still have to kill like 12 human being you know faceless thugs every single time you run down an alley Ugh. and it's like why guy yeah, Ugh. like like it's so it's I and a part of me wants to be like just don't have human enemies. Just have other vampire enemies. Like just do monsters. Just just do that and everything like at least at least it'll be consistent, but I don't know. This is this is one of those games where somebody who is 15 right now mm-hmm. is going to play it. And they're not going to shut up about it for 20 years. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> they're going to turn into, oh, like, no, I'm Anthony. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> this this is a game that turns people into a vampire like me. Yeah. <laughs> like, this is this is a game that sires some poor bastard. <laughs> like, oh, shit. Did you play vampire? 
the original release is better before they cleaned it up and changed everything. Oh, God, that is <laughs> you. No, man, that's just that's a bummer. Well, Susan, you honestly can't jump into Vampire right away because you are engaged in multiple role playing games already. I am. It's true. Uh, so uh, uh, I find myself with an excess of free time at the moment. <laughs> and uh, as one does. And when I was packing up uh, prizes to give away at PAX East, I found a copy of the uh, Elder Scrolls Online Morrowind expansion. So I was like, oh, you know what? Mm. I, I played uh, ESO in a couple of press events, and I enjoyed it both times. I played it. So I'm going to hang on to this, and I'm gonna, and when I have time, I will try it. Well, I have time now. So uh, I tried it. <laughs> and at first, I, I really wasn't into it because I was trying to play it like an Elder Scrolls game. And it's, it is this very strange hybrid between a a classic Elder Scrolls game and an MMO. It has to make some concessions to the fact that this is a game for multiple people and that has an economy that is based around having multiple people in it. So like if you're like me, you go into a, you know, a cave, a house, or whatever it is, you pick up everything that isn't nailed down and you go <laughs> Naturally. to the merchant and you're just selling all of it. You're just selling it. And you I know. I want these spoons. No. No. Doesn't matter. It's worth two gold pieces. I'm taking it. I'm selling cabbage. I'm collecting cheese. Why? Because <laughs> I can make money off it. And uh, that's not true in uh, ESO. Some stuff has no value at all. Like swords, daggers, necklaces. Nothing? It, nothing. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Others, that's interesting. That's yeah. super interesting. And other stuff that you that would normally, like in a, in a normal Elder Scrolls game, be you know worth a, 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 a bit more, uh, one or two gold pieces, right? Mm-hmm. So now it's it's not about going in and picking up everything, and you you don't you also don't uh, level up your skills as quickly because again, this is a game that is meant to last you over time. So, you know, if I sit there and I play all day long, I might increase my enchanting spell or my enchanting skill a little. Whereas if I was doing that Hmm. in the normal game, I would be like, I'm making, you know, boots of fire and I can, I've enchanted this necklace to make me invisible for an hour and a half. No. ESO, you still can get there, but it's going to take you significantly more time because that is what an MMO was for. Once Hmm. I adapted to that compromise, I got hardcore into it. Because let me tell you what, you can solo this game easily. All right, so that was my very first question. I was like, once you acclimated to it, did acclimation mean, oh, I'm playing with people? Nope. Or is it just like, all right, this is Elder Scrolls, but a different Elder Scrolls. Yes. And I need to rethink the way I do this. That is, that is, exact, that is it, exactly. So I started off... Uh, I skipped the entire vanilla uh, ESO by starting with the Morrowind oh. DLC. I didn't even know I did that. Interesting. Yeah, so I'm on Vardenfell, the continent of Vardenfell. And if you've played Morrowind, you are familiar with these locations. There's Balmora and Aldrin and, and you know, you're dealing with Ashlanders and there's Voss up in the corner. And you know all this. Vivek City. 
I've, I've learned that it is now pronounced Vivek, not Vivek, and that kind of annoys me. Uh, <laughs> You're like, I've been saying it one way for 15 years. Exactly. That's exactly it. And then, like, people from Bethesda told me, like, no, it's it's Vivek, honey. I'm like, God damn it. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm doing all of that content and it, what is really great, the game very clearly lets you know, this is meant for a group, this you can do by yourself. Anything that is not clearly indicated as being for a group, which is a, has a little plus sign next to it, you can do by yourself. Everything. Wow. Yep. It's awesome. Now, like I, I've... <laughs> I kind of feel bad because I have people up, like, they'll approach me. And it's really easy to try and interact with someone to ask them if you, they would like to duel, if they would like to join up, to go to do whatever. And I'm just like, denied, denied, denied. <laughs> nope, I'm out here by myself. Screw you. Nope. Boom. Uh, do people do people get the message as you're playing with them? Mm-hmm. Like, do you like do you just keep walking, or do you actually no. say like get the piss off? Buddy. So what happens is uh, when you when you uh, another player rolls up. I'm playing on PS4, by the way. Uh, a player rocks up, and if they put the cursor over you, you hit the option button or hold it to interact with them. At that point, you have an option wheel of things that you can do when one of is, for example, duel. And if someone interacts with you and they want to duel, you, your uh, wheel comes up and it's uh, accept, decline, or I don't even know what the third one is because I've never done it. Um, and I'm, yeah, so you just, I wheel down to decline and I go about my business. It's, <laughs> it is, if, if you are, now if Bethesda announces Elder Scrolls 6 at E3. Cool. Mm-hmm. If they don't and you are missing your Elder Scrolls-edness, I really, really encourage you to give this a try. Uh, I, I, but I also encourage you to start with the Morrowind expansion because it's, it's very self-contained. It, the, the vanilla stuff, it's all taking place in Cyrodiil and it's all connected and it's very easy to get overwhelmed with all the stuff you can do. In Morrowind, it's all self-contained on this one little continent. But, and there's a ton to do. Tons and tons and tons of stuff to do. But it's all, it's very easy to find. It's very easy to navigate. That helps you learn the game's systems like crafting and you know, nap your pet and your mount and how inventory works and your house and all of this, the mechanical stuff that you have to relearn because it doesn't work exactly like the single player game. So that's, that's what I would encourage you to do. I would also, if you are a person who likes crafting, whether that's potions, enchanting, making clothes, making armor, whatever, if you pay the 15 bucks for the ESO plus membership, you get a bottomless sack just for all those components. You can have as many bits and pieces of flowers and metal and wood and enchanting stones and all the crap that you just run around picking up in the countryside and it's just in this whole other sack and it doesn't in, like uh, in, intrude on your inventory at all. Highly recommend that. I really like that they let you start the expansion – first because yeah. like, I've, I've been trying to uh 
Like there was a time when I was trying to get back into Final Fantasy fourteen, and the the new expansion came out, uh, Stormblood, and everyone's like, "Oh, this is so great." And uh, the problem is, is they don't let you play any of that story stuff until you finish the vanilla story oh. of the base game. And I, like a lot of MMOs are like that, but it's just like. Like, yeah, you can buy an item or, or like, I think you get an item if you buy the expansion that will, like, basically plop you into that point. But it's like, no, I want to experience that stuff. But, man, like, like, it, it, like having that option of being able to go, like, no, I'm going to start here and then work my way to the main campaign is really novel uh, for an MMO. Like, I don't it- think I've heard that before. It was a really, really great way because Morrowind is still my favorite location. And so I I had an emotional attachment and it was – the self-contained nature of it really helped me get up to speed. But it was so funny. So I'm talking to a friend of the show, uh, Flunky, who is also a big uh, Elder Scrolls Online fan. And he's like, well, have you done your your faction quest yet? I'm like, faction quest? What are you talking about? It's like, you know, your, your, your home, the, the, the quest you pick up in, in your home. Like, what, what are you? Are you a Khajiit? Are you Argonian? I'm like, well, I'm a Breton. He's like, oh, so it's, it's this quest. I'm like, I, buddy, I have no idea what you're talking about. Like, I, I did all the, all the quests in, in Morrowind. He's like, oh, 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 honey. <laughs> oh, oh, zoom out from your map. I'm like, yeah, okay, zoom out from the city map. And now I'm looking at Vardenfell. He's like, no, 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 no. Keep zooming. Huh? So I zoom out and there's the rest of the game. There's like 50,000 times the content that you had been even seeing. Yes. Yes. Man. Blew my freaking mind. So when did you, did the game present you with an option to start, you know, in the previous starting point? No. What happens is if you start if you start with Morrowind and now you might even start in Somerset because the Somerset Isles expansion just came out. Mm-hmm. There's a, a little bit of story that starts you and explains how you've gotten there. Like I hmm. was on a boat and it got uh, it was uh, sunk by slavers. So I was captured. Uh, one of the people that they captured with them happens to be an assassin. So she's like, look, you help me out. I'll help you get off the boat. And then and then you're just in Vardenfell and then you're doing whatever it is you want to do. Um, If you knew the other parts of the game existed, you could then totally go to them at that point. Wow. That's crazy. Like, I've never, I've never, Dave, you were talking about Final Fantasy XIV and how Final Fantasy XIV just, you can solo all of that stuff, but you you just have to do it in the same way. Yeah, you have to beat the vanilla campaign before you can even touch anything in uh, Heavensward or Stormblood. Yeah, and Knights of the Old Republic, or Knights of the Old Republic, Star Wars The Old Republic is pretty much the same way. Like, no matter what you do, it's always going to start out the same, mm-hmm. and you have to go through the motions. It's freaking awesome that Elder Scrolls actually says, like, oh, somebody like you, Susan, who says, I like me, the Striders, I like to do yeah, the, the yeah. Morrowind, and that's my favorite thing that ever took place in that setting. Just like, all right, do it. Yep, and the the fact that you could just completely ignore everything outside of that and still get a satisfying game is really impressive. I don't. Maybe you guys could have an answer to this. I don't understand why Elder Scrolls Legends isn't 
bigger. Wait, you mean online or, Elder, or Legends? Yeah, Elder Scrolls Online. For, okay, forgive I, me. I can I can actually answer that. Yeah, all right. So if you did start in vanilla, it's 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 confusing. There's too much going on. Hmm. And it's just it's not nearly as interesting. If you are like for me, it, w- it was absolutely perfect because the, the drama of of uh, the Marwin DLC, Marwin expansion is much higher. Uh, hmm. It runs better. Like I, I, I'm now back in the vanilla part and it's janky in places, whereas <laughs> everything worked perfectly in Marwin. Everything was just flawless. That's interesting that old stuff is still janky. Yeah. They're like, you know what? Don't worry about it. We can't fix that shit. Let's just move on. Yeah. Make something new. So, like, I will probably do the stuff in my home region of Daggerfell, and then I will probably just skip to the Somerset Isles expansion that just came out, because, Mm. like, the stuff that I'm encountering is fine, but they just got a lot better at this as is, they went. It, is it fine, fine, or is it Dave Roberts fine? <laughs> it's, it's Dave Roberts fine. Like, yeah, it's, like here's the thing. It's, okay, so it, it, when you've played Elder Scrolls, you know that when you find books, certain books, it, your skills will go up. Um, it, alchemy. Like, there are certain things that are very familiar. All of that is very highly concentrated in the vanilla regions. Mm-hmm. And there's less of that in the Morrowind because I guess they assume like, well, who the hell's going to start with Morrowind? Um, but it, it seems very, very clear to me that they got a better idea of what they were doing as they went. But people dipped into that at first and went, this is kind of me. Yeah, because it's not at, like Morrowind and I'm assuming Somerset Isles feels like an Elder Scrolls game. Mm, it mm. feels like it. And the vanilla area, to me, the, the little that I've gone through, it feels like an MMO that's gotten a coat of Elder Scrolls paint. Did they change development teams at any point? I don't know. Like, uh, yeah, it's, I, I always... They, I, they I definitely just, changed, like, the scope of... Yeah. Uh, because, like, it was a, you know, $60 purchase plus monthly subscription to play it. And then Mm -hmm. they took out the monthly subscription. So I imagine that they, in the process, refigured some things. But yeah, I I think it's been the same team. Yeah, I just just asked that because I know that originally, way, way back in the days when ZeniMax had first taken ownership of Bethesda, that it was just like, yeah, we're going to start a whole new business called ZeniMax Online, and they're the ones who are going to make Elder Scrolls Online. And it was kind of a disaster, like the early, the development before yeah. it launched, because I know that they had to they had to kill everything and restart from scratch a couple of times. And it, I I just I, you know I don't know my Elder Scrolls history enough, but I know that at some point there was a change that people who had worked on previous Elder Scrolls games were finally brought in to Mm. to sort of fix the ship. And it sounds like, you know, it sounds like Morrowind is just so spot on. This is really the Morrowind experience as opposed to this this earlier stuff, which sounds like it's kind of 
you know, it's it sounds like it's like a bootleg version of Elder Scrolls. Yeah, it it, it, it like the the. Morrowind is just a, a, not a much tighter experience. The, there's tons of quests, but they're all cool. Yeah. And they knit together nicely. Whereas, you know, the, what I've been experiencing in the vanilla area, you just, you're just running into quests constantly. And some of them are interesting. And then some of them are, eh, why did I hmm. do that? Why? Hmm. Like, okay. And in the single player game, you do those quests for the experience and the loot. Huh. But that's not really how the game works now. So it's it's just not as satisfying an experience. Uh, I, if you've ever been curious about it or you miss Elder Scrolls, I really, really do encourage y'all to give it a shot. Uh, I, I get that, that it, early impressions were very... <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I've just been shocked by how much I've enjoyed it. Susan, I, I'm curious about the fact that you've been playing a super weird role playing game in addition to all of the Elder Scrolls stuff. Yes. Like, are you is this a palate cleansing move? It like, is actually. Is? It is. Yes. So I'm, I'm playing West of Loathing on this on the switch, Yay. which is an absolutely hilarious RPG that does not have the normal character classes, that does not have the normal anything. Your currency, for example, is meat. <laughs> yes, meat steaks, yeah. Meat. It's just meat. You earn just... 76 meat. <laughs> uh, I, Dave, did you, did you play this? You're playing this on Switch, right? Susan? Yeah. Yes. And Dave, you played this back when it came out on I, PC last year? I played a couple hours of it on PC, and then they put it on Switch. I was like, oh, I need to get back into that, so I got the Switch version. All right, yeah. Susan, what is what is West of Loathing? Because when I look at trailers and screenshots of it, I'm confused. Okay, it is drawn like stick figures, uh-huh. uh, So, the, which is just wonderful, but the animation is still really great. And the story is you uh, leave your family farm, and you go out to seek your fortune, and you head out west. And uh, I am a snake oiler. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I, I get my uh, my dad bequeaths to me my grandma's briefcase, which is full of snake uh, snake venom, and uh, and you you have to have a hat. You're not allowed in the bar unless you wear a hat. So you get, and it's just the most ridiculous ridiculous situation the rpg-ness comes from it's turn-based combat you have a your main hand weapon your off-handed weapon you can do spells uh there's poison there's remedies experience points all of that is is in the case you know different armor will give you different buffs it's just that everything is completely different you have moxie you have muscle (laughs) you have mysticality (laughs) I am currently wearing bean-stained pants because they raise my mysticality. I'm also wearing a fake Pope hat. Yeah. <laughs> because so, it, like all of like all of this, all of the like the humor, mm-hmm. like it could go one of two ways. It could either be this ends up feeling like a pretty bog standard RPG just with this coat of sure. silliness on sure. top of it. Sure. Or it could feel really different. Does it, 
does it, it feel really different? This it, is I, it does yeah. just because it is. So, let, let me put it this way: one of the locations that you encounter is the Dave Yard. Yes, <laughs> it, it's a graveyard populated solely by guys named Dave. And if you look on the gravestones, Dave C, for example, his epitaph is went down in a theater. <laughs> now, everybody out there who gets that reference right now is laughing. And if you don't, that's OK, because there will be other references in, uh, in the game that you get, like the C.T. Nelson coach that go <laughs> that rolls through town. <laughs> Right? Yeah, or even, right. Like, even the Now I get it. Like, even if you now don't I get it. Get the references. There's still just like the running gag where every bar has a spittoon. <laughs> and you can walk up to it and it's like, yeah, there's it's gross in there. Like and you're just like one of the choices is like walk away. And the other one is stick my hand in there, see what's inside. And they're like, okay, look, this has been here a while. Like, the game is, like, literally imploring you not to do this. Uh, like, say, uh, you know, the stuff is bubbling over. It's just cakes, like, years of of spit and shaw just caked in this thing. You sure you still want to do this? Yep. And you reach inside. You're like, uh, well, great. You found a pair of gross pants that you can wear. <laughs> Uh, and yeah, and like as you continue to play the game, you'll find more spittoons and the game just gets progressively more annoyed that you continue to put your hand in them. Um, the thing that I really like about this game is that it scratches the same itch that I think like it's it scratches that Bioware slash Skyrim slash uh, like uh, system shock itch where like you have various quests and they can all be tackled with different scenarios. Like you can fight your way through, you can, mm, uh, mm -hmm. you can, uh, talk your way through a situation. You can like, if you have, if you're have a special perk that you can only get by completing this particular side quest, reading this book, you can tackle a situation in a way that's different than if you had something else or a different quest went a different way and you got a different item and it it's got all of that stuff. But it never gets in the way of having fun. The game is broken as shit. You can like you can be overpowered for any combat situation just by playing the game. Like combat it's becomes true. becomes a joke. But you don't come to this game for the combat. You come to it for the story and the jokes and the fact that like the game is constantly giving you new perks that continue to break the way that you play the game. And, and it, being ridiculous. Yes. Like, I want to make that clear. These perks, everything is just absurd. There is <laughs> nothing normal happening in the game at any point. Uh, one of the, You can get different companions to come with you. And one of the ones that you can get is the town doctor. Do you know what they used to call doctors back in ye old western times? Sawbones. Sawbones. So guess what one of her skills is? She can, she can immediately dismantle any skeleton. Yep. No matter how much HP, it, it's a 100% success rate. Yep. How? But it's like, it's fun and it's funny, like, and it fits. And it's just, it's the, and the, the very first perk that you can find is a perk that gives you silly walks. It doesn't do anything. <laughs> oh, I don't, I don't have that perk. <gasps> 
Okay, so like if before you ever leave your house, if you search around enough, you can find a perk that when you turn it on, it just makes like your character will just do the worm as they walk on the street <laughs> and then roll in a ball and then like dance like a crab or wobble back and forth or do like a handstand. And it doesn't it doesn't affect how you play the game at all. You just have silly walks now. How long is this game? Like, it sounds like something that, like, they wouldn't be able to sustain for yeah, a really not, long time. It's not It's uh, not very long, I don't think. Oh, all right. I, Let me put you this way. I think this is an ideal bathroom game. Okay. All right. I, I'm, I'm getting the picture. I'm getting the picture. Um, it sounds like an ideal bathroom yeah. game. I'm uh, still hung up on the... the <laughs> C.T. Nelson coach. It's, it's, it's so good. It's just really funny. It's so, so funny. Oh my it's just, it's a, god. It's full of dad jokes. It's a dad joke game. It's like there's a town you go to, it's called Breadwood. They like bread. Uh, uh. <laughs> That's the business there. Wait, and there's, there's another place called the Big Apple and you get there and it's just a big pile of horse poop because they call them Dropping apples. Yep. Yeah. Right. Right apples. If you have a shovel and you scoop yes. it up, you can get experience points. Yes, it's true. That's really yeah, really silly. <gasps> how, exactly. Yes. Yeah. Uh, how long to beat has West of Loathing at around seven hours? If you just want the main story, I'm playing this. Uh, That's that does it. And there, there's replayability again because of like you could pick different uh, character classes complete quests in different ways. They're what, like, what, what class are you playing? I'm playing the same one you are, the snake. Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, because I, I wanted to control snakes. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, like, and, and there are puzzles too, and the puzzles are pretty clever and you can brute force your way through them. But if you do that, you won't get, you know, the special item that's at the end, or even if it's just like a joke, you know, it's worth doing. And I think that like, that's the sign of a good funny game is that like, even if the game isn't like perfect, you still want to play it. Uh, it's, I think it's a funnier game than monkey Island. Like, like monkey Island has been like kind of the, the standard bearer for comedy games. And I think that just sales way over it. I completely agree. It's really funny. I like that reputation of monkey Island has, is what's kept me from playing it. Uh, for all of these years. And like, I, just because I, I'm not one of those people who says like, oh, something is sort of canonized or it's considered, you know, a cult classic. And, and therefore, like, I'm not going to do that because it's stupid and other people like it. It's it, when it's comedy, you almost like it's worrisome when comedy is built up too much for you. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Like if somebody's like, for oh, sure. something is going to be the funniest thing you've ever seen. The more you're you're sort of expecting the laugh. Like comedy is so dependent on surprise mm -hmm. that I've never tried to play, you know, monkey Island or return to monkey Island or any of them because, or same goes for Sam and Max because the expectation is so immense that I, I like, I feel like my reaction would be like, huh, that's funny. Huh? That's funny. Rather than genuine laughter. Whereas West of loathing, it almost seems like, the humor is so low stakes. And I, I mean that in a, in a like complimentary way, like the dad jokeness of it 
it seems like it's hard to create too high expectations because it it feels like this game isn't somebody on a stage playing for the big laugh. It's somebody like nudging you in the ribs and be like, eh. <laughs> 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 Craig T. Nelson was a person. <laughs> <laughs> He's an asshole now. <laughs> I, I swear to God, when I got, when because I, I, the stagecoach goes, but every time you come back to, to the main town, the stagecoach is driving to, through town, and I never really paid attention to it because you can't interact with it. So I'd been playing the game for hours before I actually read it. Yeah. And yeah. S- saw C.T. Nelson coach. I screamed <laughs> when I saw that. <laughs> That's so awesome. <laughs> it's it's and that's that's really what West of Loathing is. It is full of tiny things like that. Where if if you see it, if you appreciate it, it's just going to make your goddamn day. You are going to want to tell someone so that they can share that ridiculousness with you. It's it's, it's not an overly challenging RPG. Consider it like a really funny visual novel. Yeah. Yeah, that you, I, which I love that. Yeah. Susan, the the game that we talked about uh, a couple of episodes ago, Cosmic Star Heroin, mm-hmm. the, the the previous games by that developer that I was I was describing to you, Breath of Death seven mm-hmm. and Call of Cthulhu, Call Call of Cthulhu. No, yeah, Cthulhu saves the world. Yeah. It's the same. It's I, like that's such a great that's such a great way to describe it. Like it's like. You're playing with RPG mechanics, but it's more like you're just along for the the ride yeah. of the story and just getting getting to enjoy the jokes. Man, I gotta I there are too many things to play. It's there. and he get this, it's eleven dollars on uh PC and uh, Nintendo Switch. Not ten. Oh, no, of course not. Eleven dollars. That's, that's awesome i love these people <laughs> yeah and, i love and, these guys if so you much. want the same flavor of game uh you can play a free text slash image based uh it's a not mmo but it's an online game called kingdom of loathing it's the same people uh that's still going uh so yeah i was kingdom always a postamancer yeah <laughs> postamancers are great <laughs> Yeah, I like the what was the the guy with the the sword the 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 stick figure with the sword and the martini glass. I had a oh. shirt with that on it. Uh, I forget what class it was, but so good. Play it. All right, Dave. Yes, I feel bad because like this is a, a an all RPG show. Yeah, and. You're the only one who's playing one that sucks. <laughs> oh, no, it sucks? It, wait. Well, de- I'm talking about Destiny 2. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, the, the other one that I'm playing, that uh, it's not an RPG, but I like it a lot. But no, Destiny 2, I I wouldn't say I'm playing it. <laughs> it's present. Uh, I, I am. Uh, it is an excuse for my friend and I to uh, bullshit over Skype. Or whatever, as we uh, do something with our hands, I guess. Yeah, uh, yeah. I don't know. Like they they announced Forsaken, and it sounds neat. Like the the general vibe that I get from Twitter is that it seems like they finally f- like people are like, oh, it's like they made Destiny two. Finally, yeah. Can, can you? Can, I didn't pay attention to that stream. So can you walk me through 
what it is. Is this like a Taken King kind of thing? That's what it sounds like. There are two new destinations. So I'm looking at the website now. There are two new destinations, the Tangled Shore and the Dreaming City. I have uh, no idea. So, someone who knows more about de- or cares more about Destiny's story was probably like, oh my god. But no. Uh, there's a new raid, which the, the stream described it as like Vault of Glass and what was... I forget what the other good raid that they made was, but it's like if those two raids had a baby... Uh, mm. so it's like, okay, so you're clearly trying to evoke that you have a good raid again, which they didn't have for like the last several expansions for destiny two. Uh, there's a new four V four competitive PVE mode, uh, new powers and additional supers, uh, more, you know, more weapons, story missions, blah, blah, blah. Here's where it kind of breaks down for me. So, when this comes out in September, it's Forsaken. It's it's a forty dollar expansion, kind of like how like Taken King yeah, was, okay. was a forty dollar expansion. On top of that, they are selling a thirty dollar season pass for more content to come in winter and spring slash summer, I believe. And I get so, that there's more no. stuff coming, but it's like okay. So, that is the, that is a bad sell. Yeah. yeah, so the, the Forsaken Annual Pass comes with, uh, alongside seasonal updates and live events available to every Destiny player, Forsaken Annual Pass provides bonus rewards and inc- introduces three premium content releases anticipated in winter 2018, spring 2019, and summer 2019. So on top of the $40 expansion, they want you to buy a season pass. Hmm. Yeah, I man, you know, every every single one of the games that we have talked about on this show sort of succeeds, not because of like some mechanical hook or some really interesting story thing like the, all of those things are there. But like Vampire, Elder Scrolls, West of Loathing, they, they're all connected by having memorable elements mm-hmm. like there's something unforgettable in all of these games. And I don't think any amount of mechanical tweaking and adding of new areas and raids is going to fix the rotten core in Destiny 2. And it's just that it's boring. Yeah. Everything it is, is it boring. Is, Shooting just, feels so good, but everything else amazing. around yeah. it is just... It's dull as dirt you know dave the fact that you talked about it as something to do with your hands while catching up with a friend that's exactly how i played the campaign it was i i have like you know my my best friend in the world i don't get to see anymore because we no longer live in the same town and so we just have like a standing day of the week it's like every single wednesday we get together for an hour and we're going to play a video game and more than anything else, all we're really doing is talking. And we we played through all of Destiny 2, and we got to the credits after you pl- finished the campaign, and we were like, did we beat it? <laughs> did we? Is the game over? Did we? Like, it required so little attention to what was happening that we missed the fact that we completed the game. Yeah. And there's just no fixing that. You can't. Fix it. Like, you have to start over. I don't know. I don't know. The idea I mean, of dropping 30 bucks on a season pass for something that's 
on top know. on top of the forty dollar expansion. That's crazy to me. It's crazy. Susan, you you and I both found the original release of Destiny One cripplingly boring because we liked the beta so much. Yeah, that's true. Like we liked the beta so much, and they changed the way leveling worked on actual release, but. At the same time, like, I don't think anyone realized what Destiny actually was on the vanilla release because it was yeah. so weird. It was it was a freak. Uh, they were kind of making it up as they went. They were learning as they as they went. Taking King fixed a whole lot of stuff. And then it was like before the release of Destiny 2, that game was real good. They had just run out of things to do. So it was yeah. very much like the the Court of Oryx was really fun. I really loved doing that. So it was great. just we were all we were all making our own fun at that point, waiting for Destiny Two, mm-hmm. and they, they didn't. They had to start from scratch with Destiny Two because it was Destiny was built on a shaky foundation. I get that. I understand it. But the stuff they built is like meh. It I also. Just, I, I I feel like I like I, I don't want this to come off as unnecessarily harsh to incredibly talented people. Sure. They completely missed what was interesting about the first game. I do think it's important to point out that none of us here are the hardcore Destiny player who does right. the raid, who right. who, you know, is is min maxing their armor with their loadout so of that course. one is fi- like we're not those people. But I, I really feel like everything they're t- everything they're doing for the game now, and every all these new changes that they're doing, is for them. Right, and like, and that's that's the problem with all of you know, like games that are persistent, are or games that if you're a marketing person, games that are a gas, games man. as a service, games that are a gas. I feel terrible for doing that right now. Do people um, actually say that? No, I'm just being that asshole. Okay. Uh, the, the, the problem with all of these games is that we we've gotten into this business model over the past decade at this point, not even over the past five years from like 2013 to now, the business model for games as a service is we're all about the community and the community is who we listen to. And the problem is, is that the most vocal members of the community are the like most hardcore, the mm-hmm. most diligent, the most obsessed. And when they're the most vocal ones and they're the ones being heard by the developers, they're only serving them and they're serving the smallest niche possible. Like that, that is the, the worm at the heart of Destiny. It's the worm at the heart of Street Fighter. It's well, it's like, what it's it, what happened to uh, Darkest Dungeon when that game was in early access. Right. Their most vocal fans want harder, harder, harder. And it got to a point where like they were getting negative reviews on Steam in early <laughs> access because they they made the game too hard. Yeah. Because they they served like this one to five percent of their audience, forgetting about the like ninety-five percent of the people out there maybe don't want a game that hard. Yeah. Uh, and they actually had to like dial it back or at least give people the option to make tweaks to their experience to make the game more palatable if you don't want a game that brutal which i think is really interesting i don't and i think the other thing too is that like like the mystery is gone yes 
I was just going to say, the only reason that you got... Like, the thing that led the people who are the hardest core, doing every raid, min-maxing their character, going for the rarest weapons, etc., etc., you know, the, the thing that made that community for Destiny was the fact that the game was so weird and mysterious that it forced people to communicate. Mm. It was it was like this m- magical confluence of like, oh, let's not dis- explain these things in the game. Isn't that bad design? No, it's going to make people talk to each other and coordinate with each other outside of the game and then go back in. And that's that's a remarkable dynamic. But like y- you have to you have to have things be a little messy and accessible to make that happen. I don't know. Well, like I completely understand wanting to serve that core because those are the people who play it every day, who play it every weekend. They're they're the ones who are the lifeblood of it. But if there's nothing for the casual Destiny player, and and that's the point I got to, I felt like there was nothing for me as a as a person who like I just want to dip into Destiny and noodle around for a bit, and then you know whatever because the shooting is. So good. And because Hell I, yeah, yeah. you know, I, I love my armor and I love all that. I, I don't feel, I shouldn't say I don't feel welcome there because that's not true. But I don't, I feel like it has moved on. Yeah. And, and I'm like, okay, well then I, I'll just find something else to do. Yeah. I'll see you around. Yeah. I really, I wonder what the experience of playing the original Destiny is like right now. Like, is it a ghost town of the hardest of the hardcore or are there people who are still discovering that game and sort of like the the organic process of of getting into its earth? I don't know, man. What a bummer. I, I, I don't I don't foresee destiny like Destiny's not going to die anytime soon, but I feel like we're going to see Destiny three earlier than we we probably expected. Yeah. Well, and it's just, it's just, it's really interesting to see the, like, the mindshare of that game on the internet just plummet. Like, back when we were doing stuff for Games Radar, we were running Destiny articles all the time. Everyone was running Destiny articles. <laughs> not even two full years and, ago. And, and, like, yeah. and, and the thing is, is, like, people were complaining. You know, you always have to go, well, what are you guys write about Destiny? So it's because people click on it. Yeah, people they want to read about it. it. They were yeah. reading it wanted to know about this stuff and you don't see that like you you don't see destiny 2 articles i mean you probably do on like like kotaku i know there are people who are just like destiny fans and they write about it and that's fine but like even the destiny fans aren't like cranking out articles like they used to yeah i i feel like something that i want to clarify for anybody listening to this whether you're one of our backers, or this is the first time you're listening to this show. Something that that people should know about, like video games versus video game press fandom forums, like the enthusiast stuff. People are playing Destiny, even though they're not talking about it on your your Resetera or on your favorite like gaming site, like Polygon or something. You know. Like the people who are like, oh, why are you still writing about Destiny? People care. They're just not the people who are like constantly talking on Twitter uh, or, you know, so on and so forth. There are things that people are into that aren't part of the 
gaming culture. What, Minecraft. I mean, <laughs> yeah, Minecraft. Yeah. Well, uh, the, the other day, uh, somebody was talking about like, oh, man, like, how is Microsoft going to do anything this fall? They don't have a single big first party release for Xbox One. And I was like, guys, so many people are buying Sea of Thieves like ridiculous numbers yeah. of people are it, playing it Sea charted of it wasn't wasn't it number one in March and it came out yeah. like the first week of March mm-hmm. uh, it's killing it and no, but nobody's talking about it yeah no and, and I had probably, no idea it was still doing that well it's doing real really, well really 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 well really well and it's just gonna be one of those things like like destiny was or fallout four where or rainbow six siege where it's just you know there it has its own world it has its own culture yeah yeah i'm curious about it i still i i feel like when i suddenly when there's a 10th hour in every single day that didn't (laughs) exist before then i'll get to I'll get to see if these before we bring it on home, Dave, let's wash the destiny out of our mouths. With yes. One one nice game. Yes. A nice a new entry in our list of nice games. So I uh, finished Yoku's Island Express uh, a couple days ago, and that is a nice game. Uh, so I really like pinball a lot. I'm not like I'm not obsessive about it, but I like to go to a pinball place and play some pinball. Uh, to the point that like I'm one of the weirdos who really likes Sonic Spinball, even though at like as broken as that game is, it found a way to combine like light platforming elements with pinball and naturally fit it into the world of Sonic. This game feels like a spiritual successor to that. Uh, you play as a little uh, little dung beetle who pushes this stone ball around, and it's your first day on the job as the postmaster for this uh, idyllic little um, beach island thing in the middle of the ocean. And you show up, and this pterodactyl's like, uh, all right, well, uh, your badge is up at the summit of this mountain. I'm noping out of here because there's weird stuff going on. You're like, okay, so you push this little ball, and you come across a little little divot, and you know it basically there, there's a little color, colored uh, bumper in the ground, and the game teaches you you use the flippers to launch your little ball, and that sends you up to a higher platform. And as you play, you learn that this game isn't like it's basically structured like a Metroid or a Castlevania game, where oh. you have uh, little, you have your goal. Like you start here. I need to get up to this thing to complete this quest um, to set the next story thing in motion. And as you move, you'll enter these little discrete pinball areas. And uh, each pinball area will have little challenges. Like one of them will be like, okay, there are these purple bumpers that you need to hit. And when you hit them, they'll launch out these shards. You collect the shards, and it opens up a gate that will send you to the next area. And um, as you play, it's like introducing these new ideas to you, uh, that sort of thing. And then uh, you'll stumble across someone with a little exclamation mark over their head. And you'll talk to them like, hey, uh, there are a bunch of these little dust mites in my house. Can you clear them out? And you can drop down to the secret area and do a little pinball challenge, clear them out, and they'll give you an item. And sometimes the items are like uh, wallets to carry additional fruit, which you'll need to unlock uh, like shortcuts and other launching pads into other sections of, of the world. 
sometimes they'll give you uh, new items that you can use to navigate the world. Like one of them is this little, like you'll eventually unlock a, it's like a vacuum cleaner kind of thing. You can bump into these nests and uh, little slugs will launch out onto the pinball fields and you hoover them up with your vacuum and then you can use them. Like you launch your little pinball into a barrier and the slugs will explode, uh, destroying the barrier and letting you go on to another area. Uh, it's full of, it's just, it's so clever the way that it's structured, the way that it's like little bite-sized pinball challenges that constantly feel like you're progressing uh, in, throughout the world and the way that like it doubles back on itself and it opens up new shortcuts as you get new items and unlock stuff. And uh, the other thing about it is that it's not frustrating. Like, yeah, Ooh. it's like there are parts about it that are hard. Um, but if you get like if you send the ball into the gutter it hits some thorns and you lose a couple fruit but like there are no lives you just you lose a couple fruit you're a little inconvenienced uh you can get that fruit back really easily though so there's no sense of of like backward progress like you won't get sent back to a checkpoint your checkpoint is the little like there's a little gutter below the flippers you hit a thing and the ball just launches right back in uh so like there'll, there'll be spots where like if, if you launch a little too far or something, you might launch off the side of a mountain and have to climb all the way back up, but it's never painful about it. I'm so, having trouble picturing what it would be like to actually play this. Like I'm following you. Yeah. It's pinball. I don't, I, it's, it's like, so it's just pinball. It's pinball, but you can move the ball around on flat surfaces and, as you progress, you'll you'll like you'll walk you'll so you get through a little pinball challenge. You're up on a platform. You can go to the left, or you can go to the right. You go to the hmm. left. There's a little side quest over here with another pinball challenge. Maybe you can't do it yet because you don't have the item. Like like there are certain spots where like you'll see stuff underwater, but you can't get there until you have the thing that lets you swim. Neat. Um, or like you know, you can go to the right, and then like you can you press a button that shows you your map. And you can zoom it all the way out and see like, oh, this game is pretty big, uh, and see like just exactly where in the world that you need to go. I was just like, it's really mechanically tight. It's full of really interesting ideas, and it's like five hours long, so it never overstays its welcome. What is this? Uh, what is this on? Uh, basically everything. I think it's switch. Uh, I played it. Yeah, I played it on switch. It's really nice in uh, handheld mode, uh, PS4, Xbox one and PC. It's 20 bucks. Uh, I like, it's a bit short if you're just mainlining the game. I think it took me like four or five hours to finish the story, but even that put me at about like 60% complete. And there's a bunch of secret stuff, including stuff that like implies that there's, um, additional challenges if you find enough hidden items in the world to like unlock another quest. Um, so I'm, you know, I'm going to keep dipping back in there and, and seeing what I can find, but yeah, like it's just, it's, it's nice. It's, it's really charming. It, it has that like nineties rareware vibe to it, Ooh, but, right, with, but, but without being all like, yuck about it. Um, <laughs> uh, like it looks it's got this really nice like painterly watercolor style uh i don't i don't think there are too many googly eyes 
but it's still like like the the music is this nice like upbeat calypso stuff Ooh. and yeah it's just it's so it's like it's 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 like going on a, on a beach and just hanging out you're like ah the, but there's pinball it sounds I'm wonderful it. yeah this sounds really nice yeah it's it's <laughs> it's a nice game it's a nice game i'm super into it um so we also have nice people Yes. In addition to nice games and nice people made this show happen. And I know we set it up top, uh, but it bears repeating. I, I, uh, none of us honestly expected to get any money to keep doing this at all. And the fact that enough people have wanted to give us money to do it so that we're going to do it every single week is just really, really exciting. Yeah. So thank you. Thank you, everybody. And thank you to these specific people who part of the, the level that they pay us at involves yes. being thanked. Yes. If you go to uh, patreon.com slash continue podcast, you'll see all of our subscription information there. Uh, fi- $5 gets you access to our special discord as well as early access to the show and whatever exclusive content we make for the show. Uh, but if you subscribe, if you pledge at $10 a month, we give you a special shout out on the show, which I'm going to do right now. So special thanks to Mirko Orico Torino, Ryan Brady, John, Nick Grugan, Yaddle, Gluttony One of Seven, Peter, Ryan Mance, Matthew Peters, Michael Coffey, Chris Stubbs, Flunky the Best Squirrel You Know, uh, Terry Belair, Eric Van Quill, Olmec, The Fancy Manatee, Denton Brock, Elio Dare, Logan Pauly, Ludwig Kitzman, Stormshot, Double Taco, Francisco Arias Guimaraes, Kaelin Houston, Axel Olsen Mangholt, Shane Nilsson, Tyler Nilsson, Fossey Sayan, Jacob Christos, Chris Cook, Skip Dippity, Tim Chesson, H- Jose Bullet Bobom Cordova, Daniel Squire, Tom, Derek Sanskrit, and Damien Michaelis. Thank you guys so much. Seriously, it's it's incredible. That name, that list has gotten so long. Wow. <laughs> um, also, uh, I want to do another one of our giveaways. Uh, I've got a bunch of uh, humble bundle codes and stuff that I've got lying around. Not going to you so i'm giving away to you if you leave us a review on itunes or you share us uh share a link to the podcast uh on twitter i've entered you into a drawing here for a free game and i'm gonna pick the winner out of a digital hat right now they won already uh they get to stay on the list if you leave us a review on itunes you get to stay on the list but uh if you won recently i'm not gonna Give you another game. Three Chord Sultan, you have won a free game. So uh, uh, thank you for leaving us a wonderful review on iTunes, by the way. Uh, But yeah, so just reach out uh, either via Twitter or our email at uh, info at continuepod.com. Let us know that you won, and I'll get your free game to you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, If you are listening to this and you think to yourself, man, these are people who I want to be thanked by and I want to enter into their contest for free games, etc. You go to patreon.com slash continue podcast. So our previous goal was $750 a month to make this a weekly show. We've crushed that. Our next goal is $1,500 a month. That is that's far off. That's forever away. We'll never get there. But in the event that we do get there, 
we're gonna buy all new equipment. We're gonna get new mics. We're gonna get new gear. We're gonna make this sound even better. Maybe we'll just we'll hire a DJ. We'll hire a real DJ. Oh, I like that idea. You, we'll get dude, fat you got beats. You got me. We got then, Dave. You don't need to hire a DJ. <laughs> oh God. We got. We're gonna hire a DJ that doesn't make everything sound like a John Carpenter movie score. Uh, I got we, range. <laughs> Man, <laughs> dang y'all! Actually, I don't think slow jams would be slow jams if there was an actual beat. I think it would sound weird. You know, it sounds like it sound like desperate. Sound like a white guy in his mid thirties. Moving on, shouting, shouting into a microphone. <laughs> shouting into a microphone. Anyway, uh, yes, please go to Patreon.com/slash/ContinuePodcast and consider giving us a buck if you feel like it, and we'll keep doing more of this. Uh, you can also follow us at twitter.com slash continue pod. And Susan, where can the folks find you? Uh, find me on Twitter at Susan Arndt, uh, or you can find me on Pocket Gamer every week where I will tell you about an excellent mobile game to play. Dave, where can you, the humans find you? You can find me at David Robots. That's uh, on Twitter. I yell a lot. I don't know. I don't really yell. Yeah. You're generally you're generally <laughs> reasonable sort. Uh, you can also find me on Twitter at a John Agnello. Uh, and if you if you want to know more about vampire, if you were if you were titillated by that description, you can go to venturebeat.com and read my review of that, as well as other things I have written, including hopefully by the time this is up on Monday, June 11th, June 12th. I don't know what the hell Monday is. But anyway, next week, hopefully, my interview with Treasure Games will be up on the internet, and you can read that if you like the Ikaruga or Guardian Heroes I do. or other, other things that people enjoy. Uh, all right, everybody. We will see you next week. Yeah. I like saying that. I like saying that. We'll see you next week. Thank you so much for listening. Bye. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.